0: And I think I would actually go with my computer, too. My whole freaking studio. I'd take it up there. We'd put it up on an old Tascam 25-24 mixing board. And he would mix because he went to school for that. And he worked at... um, What the hell was his name? The guy who produced Love Like This before. Reggie Lucas. He worked at his studio in Jersey. So he had a lot of experience. So I said, here, mix it. Make it, I, make it sound great. Make it sound dope. And, you know, he did. So, and then I said, you know what? It's kind of a drive to go up to Hackensack. <laughs> <laughs> Get this shit out by myself. And little by little, you know, hey, Jose, how do you do this? Bye-bye. Try that. You know, and, and I, he, he kind of mentored me as far as mixing my own stuff, for sure. But as far as ideas and this and that oh no, man that was just me being reckless and just not caring and being silly and you know being young minded and 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 exploratory and it was just me being me you know at the time nothing to lose no no point of reference just being a raw you you know what I mean and
1: that's and a, I have no barriers when you're that young no
0: barriers
1: my thanks. You're just yes. doing, you're just, you're in do mode. Do, do, and more do,
0: right? That's it, man. And, and, and you know, it's part, of, it's part of the, it's part of the process. It's like, I always equate it to, you remember when you're a kid and you're trying to ride a bike and you can't for the life of you? Yeah. You can stay on a little and boom. And then one day it's just, it clicks and you got it and you can't unlearn to ride a bike. That would be amazing. <laughs> How do you forget to ride a bike? You can't unlearn it. So it was the same thing with music. It's like w- one day you found the right kick, bass, hat, clap combination. And it just, whoa, what's this? And it clicked. That's what happened with me. Is I was I, I I I figured out how to mix on the board and just make it sound what I thought was dope. Wow, time time in the chair. I tell people that all the time.
1: I'm going to ask you? Tell that. That. How would it take you to get? You become harry romero what's the what's that involvement you know what's that commitment that's the word commitment
0: it's not a thought it's not something you don't wake up and say i'm gonna commit my no man it's just this thing like it's this it it's a part it's like it sounds super fucking corny it's like it's like breathing you gotta breathe and for me it was like I'll go to school. I mean, just get, do the minimum amount of work to pass so they don't kick me out of Rutgers and come home. And, you know, on the way home, there's this one little record shop. They sell a lot of, like, you know, like punk rock, like Violent Femmes or, or you know, whatever, the Butthole Surfers. And they might have a few jazz records. Grab the jazz records, go home, sample, experiment. It sounds like shit. Then you come back and you switch it. And then it sounds amazing. And then you arrange it. And then you fuck up the arrangement. Then you come back and make the arrangement right. And so you think, you know, it's that. It's just that constant moving forward and learning and being a sponge and stumbling upon things. Like, I remember one time in the studio scratching my head, I'm like, oh, my God, I need a keyboard part. And I leaned back in my chair and my elbow hit the Juno 106. I'm like, that's it. (laughs) Those kind of experiences, you know what I mean? It's just having fun and being open, man. I wish we could bottle that up, man. You know what I mean? Oh,
1: God, I wish we could harness that.
0: would be loaded.
1: Yeah. Because, you know, sometimes you're hearing records now, and you're saying, we were doing that stuff 25, 30 years ago. Right? Yeah. You you listen to it, you're going,
0: am I missing something? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, you know, again, it's, it's a different audience, and that's something that guys like yourself and me have been in. You know, I've been doing this professionally for almost thirty years, man. So it's something we have to we have to consider is that not everybody's heard what we've heard. So yeah, we listen like that shit was done already. But wait, wait a minute, hold on. Yeah, it was done already, but the people that are listening to it weren't even alive. <laughs> so to them it's new. So I'm gonna sound like my father and, and fathers before them. Yo, dude, I got underwear older
1: than some of the audience members in this in this thing now. It's it's crazy.
0: Wait, you wear underwear? No Don't joke. <laughs> Alfresco. Al fresco.
1: <laughs> so, you're going to go now and tell me how you and Mr. Nunez start to create this partnership that started in the beginning of your career.
0: Well, I met, Ho- I met Jose Nunez at this guy's house. His name is Keith Littman, right?
1: Oh, remember no, Keith? Wow.
0: Yeah. So, him and I were friends since 91, 90, He was a local DJ around here and he built a studio cause he, he wanted to get into production. And so long story short, real to real performed at this club called the play pen that Keith was DJing at. And Eric's thing, whenever real to real performed, he always had to DJ like 20 minutes before the act went on. So we always, so we're like, whatever, just let him get on. So Yeah. <laughs> And at the time, that, that record he did called Funky Buddha was just starting to bubble, right, on Strictly Rhythm. So um, Keith had played him with Again, this is all fuzzy to me, but this is kind of how I remember it. Keith played him one of his demos, and, and Eric was like, yeah, yeah, come by the studio, blah, blah, blah. So Keith started going to the studio up there, and Jose and Eric were already friends. They'd been friends for a long time. They grew up in the same kind of area. so. Long story short, Jose started hanging out with Keith at his apartment in Sayreville and I went to visit one time, and I'll never forget Jose's expression. Jose's sitting there, he's making music. There's keyboards all around him, and I walk in in the middle of a session, start playing with the Juno 106, and and Jose just looks at me like, "Who the fuck is this guy?" With that look. So whatever. I'm like, "What's up? I'm Harry. Nice to meet you." I leave the room, and um, so. I don't remember how it happened. Then the studio in Hackensack got built with Keith Littman and John Garcia, which was Eric's old partner for whatever the fuck it was they were doing. And um, so Jose and I started hanging out at that studio. And I told him, he's like, I told him about the time I walked in the studio and started messing around with his keyboard. And he's like, Harry, I thought you were the biggest jerk, dude. I didn't, my, this guy walks in my, Session is to start playing keyboards while I'm trying to make music. I'm like, oh, okay, so we became we fast became really good friends, and um, that's how him and I met and started doing productions together, right? At the studio in Hackensack, I believe. We also started that label called Gossip Records back in I don't know if you remember that.
1: Oh, I remember Gossip. Oh, yeah. So, um, I about it till you just mentioned it, and I yeah. see the tongue, right? Or something like that, a tongue,
0: yeah, yeah, the big lips and the tongue. <laughs> So um then Eric put out the I like to move it he made a shitload of money he got really commercial he's like I want to I don't want to play these commercial parties I want to get back to my roots So then he started subliminal records and he called me and he called Jose and he called uh, DJ Sneak and Junior Sanchez as well. So he's like, listen, guys, this is my idea. Any way you guys can come to the office and we can sit down and talk. Let me let me give you the proposal, my idea, what I have in mind, blah, blah, blah. So I go there and <clears throat> he already talked to Jose and then he's talking to me. I didn't have anything going on at the time, you know, a record here, a record there. I'm like, yeah, Eric's cool. I didn't know him that well. We hung out, you know, we tried to hook up with girls, whatever. So um, I said, yeah, fuck it, let's do it. And that was the spring of 97. By the fall of 97, I was already touring Europe from the first release, which was my record with Jose Nunez, Constipated Monkeys called crow That record blew up in the underground. It blew up major and the phone started ringing and the rest, as they say, is history. Did I answer your question? What was the question?
1: <laughs> no, you didn't answer. I'm just saying. Okay, okay. Good. <laughs> No, no, you answered the question. So now this partnership begins with you and Jose. Okay, and of course, Ministers of the Funk come and all the next records start to come. That's and right. Also, if I remember correctly, what was that group of guys called that you were all part of?
0: The drones. Oh, the... That and the- also... You-
1: That's it. Sneaking you, all of you, with the mongoloids.
0: I remember all that. Yeah. Okay. It was a, that was a good idea on paper. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people involved. It's hard to pin everybody down.
1: But it was a good, it was a good concept. You could do it now because of the way the of the internet. You can because you can get everybody. But back then, it was. Yeah. It's okay. So, t- now, so now you go from the neighborhood guy. Yeah. To now the international guy. Right. Like instantly, right.
0: It's what it seems like it was kind of overnight, yeah. But kind how of.
1: long is it now to that point before that happens? It's like 10, almost seven or eight years before that happens, right? Because from when you started... Four years. Four am four, okay. Oh, so this is really not that long then, considering that...
0: No. Wow, good for you. I put out, put out my first record in 93, and um, I started DJing... Leaving New Jersey, flying to Toronto and LA and a couple other close by places, ninety five, ninety-six. And springtime we start subliminal, and from the spring, that whole summer was just I was locked in the studio. We were just making music, not stop left and right. The Jocelyn Brown, the you know, the constipated Monkey thing, all kinds of stuff. I mean and then is when we did our first release and it just everyone was like, Who are these people? What is this label? It looks European, but it says New Jersey, New York. So it was, it was, it was really cool. Now we were all sheltered from the business side of it because what Eric would do, Eric would just live in the office, making phone calls and trying to make deals and trying to, you know, advance the label and this and that. And then you'd come up at the end. And lend an ear, and this and that, and be co- and be more hands on in the studio. But for that first, the middle for the middle months of '97, I was in the studio. That's all I did.
1: And how? And because that that was a big question a lot of people had back then. How much was Eric Murillo touching those records? Because-
0: he touched every single one, like on the constipated monkeys, the crow magnum. I don't remember exactly, but he did. It was his idea to have a vocalist come in and and do the little ad lib thing. So he was he was hands on at that time, one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. But me me and Jose were the ones making the beats and coming up with the ideas and the concepts. He would just come in as, I guess, more of a traditional producer. If you know what I mean. Yep. You know, we 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 in house music confuse that term. Um. Producer in house music pretty much means you do it all. <laughs> Whereas in pop music, that's not the case. You know what I mean. So um, he was more of a traditional producer in the sense that he'd come in and kind of fine tune things and and give that professional ear that he had that we didn't we just didn't have at the time because prior to that he was already DJing internationally. He had you know his hit record and this and that. So we trusted him, and you know he did a good job, especially on "Believe," which is awesome yeah,
1: Brown. That record was.
0: Yeah, that arrangement was sick, man. Sick.
1: That was an amazing record. I remember when we got the when I got the test pressing. That was like, wow,
0: this is the shit. I remember being in front of the console and having looking at Jocelyn Brown from my right, which is probably backwards here, but it was to my right through the glass and just being like, this is something. This is something special. She did that in one take. How one, was? She-
1: that's what I was going to ask you. How is she like to work? work working with oh,
0: her? She's, work? awesome. she's awesome. She's a sweetheart. She knows what she wants. She knows when to, when to, I mean, her mic technique is amazing. You know, all that, all those things matter. Yeah, we can fix it in post, but when you're, when you're screaming and you back off the right way and it's just, sounds, she's just amazing, man. She
1: knows what to do. She knows how to not hit that mic. So it distorts, just knows how to pull her neck back. You don't got to tell her.
0: 100%, man. And their um, ear for harmonies—it was just—it was an—it was an amazing experience, and I, I'm glad. That's a question I want to ask: How did that record come about? Like, did
1: you and Jose work on the demo first, or was it something that you had the idea with Jocelyn? I, I went to
0: I went to Double Platinum, which was the studio in in, uh, in Weehawken, New Jersey, and I walked in, and I remember Jose on the S three thousand, or no, probably the S one thousand, whatever one of the samples. He kept triggering the Quetal América loop. Bam bam bam, 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 He kept triggering that shit. I'm like, Jose, put that in the fucking sequencer. Let me come up with some drums. No, bullshit. He had some preliminary drums up just, just to mark the beat, right? I'm like, Jose, I'm redoing the drums. Give me some time. <laughs> he put the thing in the sequencer, eight bar loop, and I created all the drums from, you know, all brand new drums. And then we said, let's get Al McDowell in here to record guitars, to so replay the... So he replayed the guitars. We put everything in the sample. If you listen to that, the guitars are going left and right. Yeah. That was all done manually. <laughs> we chopped every note of the guitar in the sampler, pan left, pan right, pan left, pan right, pan right. So that's why it sounds so so crazy if you're trying to DJ. Because you only hear one side of the guitar. Thanks. Yeah, exactly. Thank so, um, and then he came in. He replayed the bass. I think Ruben, who the hell played the bass on that? I don't remember. I mean, Ruben plays played the bass. I was like, wow. Was Ruben <laughs> Did Gene another, No, it wasn't Gene. It was another guy that played bass. Another Puerto Rican dude that he's still super active in the Latin jazz community and salsa community. Name escapes me. Another- Somebody Google who was on Wikipedia,
1: the, the record Believe with Jocelyn Brown. So we, we basically oh. repraved. Go ahead. No, I was going to say somebody actually rated us a whole lot of people. Thank you, Heather Chicago. And welcome to the True House Stories. We have <laughs> Harry. I know this is where it's different. I'm sorry, Harry. But we no, have no. Harry Romero here talking about his life in the music industry. Those that never knew. His life. You're going to learn. You're learning a lot right now. Harry Chuchu Romero. Thank you. Okay. Oh, and also, everyone that just came in, reset your browsers because every every person counts. Okay. Sorry. So now he was saying about um the Believe thing.
0: Yeah, so we replayed it, the sample and just kind of, Jose and I just arranged the shit out of it. And then we had Jocelyn come in with. Uh, we wrote that with Dwayne Harden actually, so it was Dwayne, myself, Jocelyn, Jose, Eric, and then there was a, a, also a vocal arranger called Benny Diggs at the time. You remember him, right?
1: Oh sure, Benny Diggs,
0: yeah. Me myself, Lisa Fisher. I mean, he had the best singers on the planet, and it was it was great because he'd sit there in front of the console. And he direct the background singers what to do, where to, where to end the note. So, boom. Again, this goes back to if you if you're not a master at it, try it. But let the masters do what the masters do, right? <laughs> so he was, he's an amazing vocal arranger, vocal coach. He did his thing, and then we just made the record, man. We just made the record. It came we just out just and,
1: there, like watching TV, going like this. Wow, quietly. Wow.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: It's just, it's just, it's like when they. I always say it's when magic happens.
0: Hundred percent. And again, that, that's kind of the beauty of sitting shoulder to shoulder with people in the studio. Is that it's kind of hard to recreate that when you're working. Like, oh, I'll send you stamps. Oh, send me stems I'll send them back. Yeah, it's the same. It
1: does. I know. That's cool,
0: but it's not the same, man. It's not. It's not the same. It's not the same when you have these little side conversations in the same room. That might spark an idea. You know what I'm saying? That organic way of creating. I miss. I miss that, I miss that a lot, and I'm trying to get back into it. You know, I have. Um, I have anaya day coming real soon. We're gonna recut some vocals, and we have our new record coming out on, on Defected as well. Called um, what is it called? I rise, right? Rise. No, what is it called? Oh my god, that's embarrassing.
1: That's all right. Everyone we'll let, let him find out what his name, his own record is.
0: Yeah, what is it called again? Um, it's called I Rise. Yeah. I had it. <clears throat> so and, the,
1: so so does the marriage last well with everybody with um subliminal Eric and Jose? I know you stood friends with him, and we've all been wondering what happened to Jose because it was a while you guys were doing records and he kind of went quiet. And then of course, Eric things changed, music changed.
0: Yeah, I think what happens with um Jose, and I don't think I'm speaking out of pocket here, because you know, I think what happens is what happens to a lot of people is you just get a little burnt out. And you know what I mean? And you take time off, and what you don't realize is that you take the time off but you don't set an expiration date for that time off, for the hiatus. And the years just kind of pile up and pile up. And, uh, you know, I think it's harder to get back on the saddle when you've taken this amount of time off. But I have high hopes for him. He just finished a beautiful studio. Uh, The ideas and groups he's sending me sound amazing. So I'm hoping that he can, you know, get these over the line and get them done and and get them out. Because, you know, the world needs to hear what Jose Nunez is doing to be completely honest with you. So I'm excited for him.
1: So am I. I wish him the best if he's hearing this. And Jose, you know, bro, I'm a big, always been a big fan of you. Especially, he's always a good guy. He's a really hey, good
0: guy. brother. Uh, and you know, the Eric thing, Eric Eric went on and and he made an amazing career, DJing and making tons of money and the Madagascars and the this and that. And, you know, his untimely passing a couple of years ago. But I remained friends. I was still there to, to as a soundboard for him. Vice versa, he was there as a soundboard for me and um, got a lot of love for him. And And um, he, he's part of my story. And you got to talk. You know,
1: it's all these stories, you know, sometimes they don't go right, you know. Um, because some people get sometimes more of the, the
0: shine in a way. Yeah. Others
1: are in the pit pounding away working
0: that was was an issue too and i'm not gonna sugarcoat it and lie i remember like um working on on whatever it was i I can't remember the exact project but let's say a remix and then you see the write-up and no mention of myself or jose that becomes a problem right because it's not that we want to outshine anybody no it's we want recognition for the time and effort we put into the project So that, you know, my example to him was always, because I'd have this conversation with him um, not frequently, from time to time I'd say, listen Eric there's no way if you plant a little tree next to a tree that's already developed that tree will never bear fruit. That tree will never reach its potential. And that was always my analogy with him so he understood what I was saying. So it was a thing but I think at the end of the day, in those kind of situations, because of who he was to me, who I was to him, there was a mutual respect that we had for each other. And we carried that on through our whole friendship and and business dealings and productions and careers. Sure. So it was it was good. You know, you, these you are things that you know the game is like this.
1: We're hanging out with friends. And this is the type of stuff you hear. Yo, dude, come on, man. That guy should be taking care of you. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're getting paid. No question. You are, you know, you're doing the contracts and that. But, you know, the business people around us, you know how they talk. You've been in these conversations. I've been in these conversations. And you hear it and it does somewhat start to, let's put it like this, it starts to, scratch
0: your neck a bit you know we're human we're human yeah you can't we're human and listen anything creative i don't care what media you choose it's driven by ego a lot of it is driven by ego so it's it's about keeping it in check realizing it's there and not letting it not not letting it twist your reality you understand what i'm saying but that's, it's a part of any kind of conglomerate, any kind of union, any kind of, you know, any kind of collaboration. It's like, that kick drum's whack. I would have had a better one, right? Stupid little things like that. I think it. I'm sure it's been thought of me. Ba, ba, ba. At the end of the day, I always say, man, it, it's, it's what, what, what did we create? You understand? And maybe that argument was part of the creative process. Who knows? I don't know. But, um, yeah, so the subliminal years were great, man. I got to see the world, and you know, I was sheltered from from a lot of it, from a lot of you know the 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 behind the scenes stuff. Which now that my career is in my own hands and I'm on my own team and this and that, I realize it's a lot of work, especially now with the advent of social media. The business model has completely changed. The mechanism is different. The machine is different. And it's about. I've always said. I never want to be a legacy act. I, I I don't want to be a legacy act. I'll do a couple shows here and there where I'm playing classics, but I don't want that to define me. I want to stay relevant, and I want to stay in the mouths of the of the new generation. I want to stay relevant because it's important to me. It's important to me that I don't fall by the wayside. It's important to me that I connect with the the new generation that's coming up, and that's kind of my my mo if you will and that's not easy brother no it's because
1: not. i heard this long long time ago from from agents and and management people and they would say to me things like you know the young have their heroes and you may not be their hero in a sense yes. as we were for some that mm-hmm. are still carrying on the torch for what we do and we are constantly struggling or I say that struggle with reaching mm-hmm. a younger crowd, right? It's our children's age or, you know what I'm saying? Like you go, where do I make something that will fit in and who do I need to be associated with? You know, associations right. another thing
0: association. Right. Yeah. So my calling card has always been my drums my calling card has always been my music. So the heart, the work is like we just said, is staying relevant and being on people's radar. But my mindset is I'm going to make something that it's going to speak for itself. And yeah, I'll chase it up. I'll say, Oh, check this out. Let me send it to whatever Luciano. I'll send it to Jamie Jones or whatever. But, you 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 can't ignore what I do, and that's again ego. You're not gonna ignore what the fuck I do in the studio. You, it, it's impossible. I'm gonna make it a no-brainer so that you're gonna hear this, and you're gonna imagine the three thousand people losing their fucking minds. That's kind of my my um. That's kind of my psyche when it comes to staying relevant. I'm gonna make something that's gonna be a no-brainer for you guys. I'm gonna, I'm gonna flex my creative muscles. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make stuff that sounds modern, but it's gonna be with my fingerprint, with my drums, my arrangement, my mixtap. And it's been working, man. So let shit. me
1: clarify that for everybody. He's got a mantra, it goes back to that track, that black thing in his brain. Yeah he's living that still to every record he does. Yeah. He wants to to break that initial feeling he had back from the first time he walked in the sound factory bar.
0: Yeah. That's exactly it. But also also you know as well as I do we can't make music in a bubble man. We have to get out of that bubble. And it happens to a lot of you know I'm I'm 49. I'm assuming you're around my age. It happens to a lot of people is that we become so comfortable. I'm 20 how, <laughs> how, We become so comfortable in how we do things and this and that. And we become somewhat, I'm speaking for myself. Speak. We, we become somewhat Speak complacent. For
1: generation. Speak for the generation. It's okay. And
0: we, we become complacent as creative people because it's so easy to make, it's so easy to do what we do that I have to, Purposely take myself out of my comfort zone where it's not comfortable, where it's not, oh, I'm treading in waters that I don't necessarily know. And I say, you know what? Fuck that. I'm going to figure this shit out. Excuse my friends. And in taking myself out of my comfort zone and putting myself in, in unknown, uncharted waters for myself, you learn as an artist because the process might be different. You might say, I'm not getting that same. Low end that these people are getting these guys that literally just got their laptop two years ago. Yeah. It's crazy. Because I've been saying that as well. What are we doing wrong? Why is that stuff that sounds like this? But the thing is, it's not we're not doing anything wrong. It's about their ears are tuned. My ears are tuned to mixing the kick over the baseline. Old school. Yep. Right. But now it's more predominantly kick drum. So it's I'm not going to get into the whole technical thing. It's boring for a lot of people, but the point is that you have to, you have to kind of listen and you have to stay part of staying relevant is listening to what the kids are playing. That's right. And doing it, but putting your own twist because inevitably we're always going to, we only have one fingerprint and it's ours. The way we hear rhythm, the way we hear syncopation, the way we hear music balance, it's the way we hear things. It's, it's what separates us from the other person, right? So if you're conscious of the fact that we have an issue, my base ain't rocking like their base, fix it. You know how to do it. 30 years in the business, if you can't figure it out, find something else to do. And we put enough time in these chairs to not guess. And that's what took so long in the beginning of my career was the guessing. Well, because we didn't. I didn't know. Like, I didn't know the right combination of the this and the that. But now, putting in the time, and I'm, I'm a strong advocate of this, is put in your time. If you really want longevity, if you really want to make a mark and leave a fingerprint for years down the line when you're fucking worm food and people can Google your name and hear stuff and be wow, put in the time. You got to put in the time. And there's no, mis- there's no, whatever you put out is because you sign off on it, right? Don't put out shit. If you put out shit, that's not good for you. Who's benefiting from? It? You have to be your worst critic at the best times, right? I don't know. That's kind of my my um, my approach, my way of thinking, if you will.
1: No, oh, it's a good way of thinking. I'm going to ask this question: Are you accepting to the changes of the sounds that are going on around you? Because you said being complacency, you're comfortable. Are you? Are you? Are you okay when, like, house changed to the electro sound and then went to EDM? Were you comfortable with that? Or did you say, ah, F that. I'm still going to be doing choo-choo music, you know? Listen, I tried to
0: do that stuff. But let's hear yours. I tried to do that stuff for a hot second. It was horrible, right? Now, I also realized that what happened at that time was was unprecedented like it was just the amount of money being thrown around was insane i also realized that this can't go on forever so i'm just still gonna keep doing me and hope it comes back around and and knock on wood it did but i do i did take some of that edm for example well and I, i did take some of that understanding of their arrangements and said, okay, I understand that. Maybe I can incorporate an idea of that arrangement in what I do. So you can't hate on everything. You can't hate on, it's music at the end of the day, right? We'll be okay if EDM comes out and, you know, there's big, it's, we'll be fine. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, so you, you, I'm a sponge, man. I'm always listening. I'm always listening to everything. And you know, you 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 get ideas from here and there. Uh, what ultimately what I do is just a collage of experiences and ideas and things I've heard. So I draw from everything.
1: But what's I, very I, difficult I, is with Sir Harry, what's very difficult is phonetically speaking, it sounds beautiful. But when your income gets depleted, that's a problem. That's where the problems begin. Right. Because you're not in the good graces of getting those phone calls anymore, and that's a hard acceptance now that you've been doing this, like you said, thirty plus years.
0: But you know what, Lenny, I, I think back, and obviously every career has its ups and downs and its highs and lows. But I've been very fortunate, man. Uh, this is what I've done. This is how I fed uh, how I've fed myself and my family since the late '90s. So. Yes, of course, every career has its laws, but I've still been managed to, to work and make money, make a great living. I don't know. I, I My mother always says, Harry, you've always had this light above you that I can't describe. And I don't know, whatever that light is, keep shining, please. Keep shining. <laughs> Nobody's telling me it's going to stop here. Can, see, but, uh, some people want to know, can you do this part
1: time and be successful and be like you?
0: Well, we have to define success. If if success for you is whatever that is, like, I don't know what su- success means so many things to so many different people. Like, for me, success is doing what I love. And honestly, the hardest part of what I do is going on fucking airplanes. I'm down here making music. Yes, sometimes you feel like you have the weight of the world because you're the provider and you have to come up with good ideas. And and that's that's when we really kind of crucify ourselves. is like, I'm fucking done. I don't have any more ideas, blah, blah, blah. No, that's part of the process. Whereas before, I would freak out. Like, I'd get like, you know, I'd get panicky and stuff. But no, relax. You're going to hear something. You're going to go downstairs. Because me, I've always equated making beats to batting practice. So that you're sharp and ready. Once you step in that batter's box, you're going to hit the ball might be a pop-out, it might be a ground ball, but you're going to hit it. So I'm always making drums. I'm always making grooves. And in doing so, there's, you know, knock on wood. There's no way to run out of ideas. You're just making drums. Now you're like, boom, oh, cool. I was in the car and I shazammed this thing on, on Studio 54 radio. Let me go in there and chop the sample. Then you chop the sample, you filter it down, then you're hearing a bass line, then you're hearing keyboards. So that's kind of, you just got to keep it moving. Now, if you want to be like me, you know, because you mentioned that, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> I don't know what that means.
1: Let us uh, uh, Let
0: me define a little bit what that really means.
1: It's, it's a balance of keeping a family, being a father, being a guy that's going to pay the bills regardless of rain and shine that money is coming in and figuring out what the next moves to be and stay creative and yeah. then jump on a flight and do all the others.
0: Uh, well, the family thing is that's something that was ingrained in me because how I was raised. It was all about family. My father and mother have been very dedicated. Like I just had breakfast with them. I go to all my mom's doctor's appointments. And their 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 thing is like, okay, since you came with me, we're gonna take you out to breakfast. I'm like, no problem, take me out to breakfast. That's fine. That's, that's what I did this morning. So family is a very, very big part of me. It's everything. Um and as far as yeah, the planes is the hard part, man. And all that we get, it sucks. <laughs> I just did a tour of Australia. There were, you know, cool shows. But the recovery is not how it was. And I'm not complaining. I'm Like I said, I'm blessed that the phone still rings. And, I, and I, I'm still relevant. And I'm still, you know, called to do remixes and projects. Like I'm, I'm doing uh, something for Defected, which is really special at the end of this year. I don't know if I'm at liberty to say, but it's a big deal for me, you know, to be recognized and asked to to be a part of a of a series that's that's um that amazing people have been a part of. It's it's it goes back to what I said before, man. You can manage your time properly, but you got to put in the time to be able to manage your time. Like when I sit down here, I can work, I don't work eight, nine, ten, I, I don't do that anymore. I don't, I don't need to and I don't have the time. But if you put in the time and you become a master at what you do, you can do what took you 12 hours. You can do it in two hours. And the way technology is now, like I managed, like I work in Logic, for example, I don't have any of my samples set up anymore. Why? Because I don't need to. I actually took all my samples, all my sample libraries, and created Apple Loops. I have access to everything. Now it took me a week, two weeks to do this, but. Again, it was time in the chair and having the wherewithal and saying, okay, thinking ahead, I'm not going to fuss around with a stupid samper that, you know, you, you sit there and fumble to get the hi-hat truncated. I don't have time for that. I'm here to create music. I have limited, a limited amount of time, so I think in my head. That's kind of how I, I find the balance. I said, listen, you can't come down here and dick around all day because there's things to do, right? <laughs> right. So, in preparation, I said, let me streamline this. Let me get from point A to point B in a more efficient way, which is only going to help my work. So, again, I don't know if I answered your question, but
1: I you think did. I did. no, you answered yeah. it. Yeah, you got it. You just you, you you have to find a way to make everything fit. Hundred percent. You're not twenty years old where you have all the time in the world and no responsibilities.
0: Yeah. Mom but luckily, luckily, I lived through that and I was able to. I have all the time in the world, or so I thought, and put in the time, and I don't guess myself in here. You know what I'm saying? That's not to say I have all the answers, this and the no, but I don't guess. I know when the kick and the bass are right because my room tells me and my ears tells me, my experience in this chair tells me, and playing the shit out in the clubs tells me it's right. So I move on, boom, foundation is kick and bass, right? It's like a, a home. You build a home, the foundation ain't right. Guess what? It's going to go, Kirk! it's going to fall. It's the same thing for music. You get that kick, bass combination, right? Ideas aside, assuming we have great ideas. And then it's just, you construct it. You put the walls up, put the roof. That's how it is. But I do it in an efficient way because I know what I know. And I know if I'm making a techno track, I know what kick to grab. I know the tech. You know what I'm saying? All that comes from experience and doing it for as long as I've been doing it. Do you make mistakes? 100%. Is that okay? Of course it is. It's part of the creative process.
1: That's what I want people to understand. He's not going to always be Harry Perfect Romero. It doesn't work like that. Just like I make mistakes all the time. We all do.
0: But you know what? You see them as mistakes, and it's your job, your duty as the person in charge to let it go fix it sometimes let it go there's times when i'm programming a snare pattern and i don't quantize it it sounds flammy but guess what that's the vibe leave it alone that's an example of 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 a good good mistake mistake. a good mistake yeah happy accidents we call it
1: so now we now we are understanding the middle part of your life and now where you're getting ready to go, and I don't want to congratulate you early because you're not supposed to tell us about the defective thing, but I kind of know what it is, but I'm not going to say what I think I know. It is. Sure. Um, today and from now to the end, where do you see yourself?
0: Uh, what's the end? I don't know. Is there really ever an end to this, this long video session? <laughs> I mean, ideally, I would love to get into scoring films. I think that's something that I would be good at. I think it's something that uh, I would have a lot of passion for. And that's something I want to do later in life. I love engineering, right? I love making shit sound better. I love making shit sound expensive. That's I take pride in that. And I do a lot of stuff for people out there that people don't even know. And I'm not even going to (laughs) say. So I do a lot of engineering for, for, you know, top shelf people. And I love it. I enjoy it. Um, DJing. I'm a DJ. First and foremost, I'll probably always DJ in one shape, form or another. Um, The going away for two weeks, doing 15 shows. No, thank you. That's too much. You know, I don't, I don't really see a need for that unless who knows, I don't know. But um, yeah, so raising my kids, hopefully my daughters will give me grandkids one day. They're still young. They're 15 and 13, but you know, living a normal life, living a modest, honest life, bro. There's nothing. I don't need the Ferraris. I don't need the Bentleys. I don't need none of that. You know, I, I live a normal, modest life, you know? And, and this, This thing has been good to me. I'd like to give back too. Like, I don't know. My idea was always to build a studio in my former high school for kids to go and and do stuff on. So there's still things I want to do to give back. Community is important as well for me. I have to do more in 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 terms of that. So yeah. That's a lot. Yeah, yeah. and do a lot of fishing. I love fishing.
1: (laughs) He's a fisherman, everyone. I was just gonna ask you about any hobbies, because this is not a hobby. For some people, this is a hobby. This is yeah. our work. So, what is your
0: hobby? I love fishing. Um, I go with Dennis. Me and Dennis Ferrer go often, actually. Um, I got into fly fishing this year, which is a lot of fun. It's it's a challenge. I enjoy archery. I'm an avid archer. Um, I like shooting my guns. Um, I don't know. It's normal dad shit. <laughs> So yeah, those are my hobbies, and you know, I like grilling. I like watching my girls in the pool with their friends, and hearing their laughter you're and all father. that.
1: Like, you like just love being, the love being a father. I
0: love it. I love That's it. it. A suburban, I dad. I That's a suburban father. What you just said is suburban. Hundred percent. Power wash the house, the whole shit. Yes, yeah, clean up.
1: Set the pool <laughs> up. Open the cover. How you doing, Bob?
0: As you're getting your, you know, your mail. I love it. Wouldn't trade it for anything. You can just give me a house on a cliff in Ibiza. I'll go for a couple of weeks, but nah. <laughs>
1: Question: Do you have to? You have an in-ground pool or above-ground? In-ground. Do you take the cover off and set it up yourself, or you have somebody come and do all that?
0: I have somebody open and close, but I maintain it all through the season. So you, you got- know what it is, man? and and this is probably not things people want to hear, but I'm so afraid that if I close it wrong, I'll bust the pipe. And then you know it'll cost me thousands and thousands of dollars. So a good friend of mine, his name is Blaze, he owns a, a pool company and he he does the openings and the closings for me. Yeah. What about you? I have I
1: have my I have my well, <laughs> Oh god. Here we go. Everybody, I own a ghetto in ground. Half in, half out. What is that? <laughs> it was a both ground pool. We dug it, dropped it in. You know why? Because I didn't want to pay the property taxes. That's why. In Long Island. Here's the thing. It's half in, half out. So every year I set the pool up and I take the dirty cover off. And it's like dealing with a cesspool. You gotta clean the cover and then put the cover away. And I set the pool up every year. This is the first year of 23 years opening this pool that my water was crystal clear. I couldn't I said
0: something happened. It was COVID. It cleared itself. This yeah, yeah, yeah. COVID ate all the all the all the dirty stuff in the pool. Clean it out. I just got to that's, go that's funny you say that because we opened our pool this year too. Well, when they opened the pool, it was pretty damn near crystal clear. <laughs> I was, was like, look, something's wrong because normally the pool's always dirty. Yeah, I mean, normally it looks like, you know, a swamp. Yeah, it's true. I don't know.
1: Well, I have to say, congratulations on everything and three decades definitely shows in your work ethic
0: thank you thank you man um i still got a lot to say lenny man and, and hopefully um
1: and through music or just period
0: no no through music through music okay. i don't I'm, i don't have anything else to say other than
1: i think we covered a lot of your life and also the life of um the people around you uh that were a big part of that you're coming up you know you've definitely covered a hell of a lot
0: I have a lot. I have a lot to do musically. I still have a lot of things I want to do, and um, as long as I, I have the ideas, man, I'll still be here. You know, in the basement in New Jersey, plucking away, scratching his head, and um, ex- exploring new horizons musically, man. It, it's a lot of fun. I still have a lot of fun doing this, and I think um, you know, as I say, once once it's not fun, that's when you have to kind of reevaluate things and say, okay. Maybe I'll take a break. Maybe I won't. Maybe I'll do this. Maybe I'll do that. I don't know. But for now, I'm still excited to come downstairs. I just redid my studio, so it's looking pretty cool. I can't actually pick up the computer and show you because this is my actual studio computer.
1: You're you're
0: sitting in his pit where he mixes all. Literally. This is what the computer looks like. You
1: know what? Do us a favor. Stand up and move so they can see the rest of the room. Oh, Look at his Wow. Look at the lights, everybody. Look at the flashing lights.
0: That's the the whatchamacallit the all the rolling stuff. Over here, you can't see it. I have the mini move Voyager, some rolling keyboards. There's a the pro stuff, the Avalons, the tube the Neves, Mini Rack with some studio electronic stuff. That's it, man. I mean, you know, through the years we we whittle it down to what we really want to use and and because um, before I had racks and racks of shit that it looked nice, but I didn't use it.
1: Yeah, that's what happened here. I had racked the samplers, keyboard modules, and you just get to the point. First, on my end was it doesn't sound like the real stuff. Then it started to sound like the real stuff, and I'm like, what am I doing?
0: Well, it didn't, it, but in the beginning, all the, the, the soft synths, the, the plugins, they didn't sound that good, man. They so, don't sound terrible in the beginning. I remember in the beginning also, during you know when it transitioned to digital, I would never in a million years allow my drums to be digital. They had to come out of my samplers, on the board, spread out. But then, you know, as the, 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 the sample rates got better and the quality... I'm like, I'm like, what am I doing?
1: <laughs> yeah, we're killing ourselves, all this extra work. Like you said, we had to streamline ourselves. Everyone who has tuned in and rated in, we've enjoyed Harry Romero. But check this out. Harry, when I jump off this, I come back on, I have a ton of your records I'm going to play.
0: Oh, thank you, man. i
1: are going to play which I promised we'd start to do on this Wednesday show to show everybody because I don't play the music during the show because we put this on podcasts and YouTube yeah. because otherwise forget it. We have copyright galore issues, but thanks. What, so what, what are you playing? In a minute, you're going to see when I shut us down. I, cut, be able- I moved to the disco room. I got a disco room oh, shit. on Twitch we go right back on twitch and within 30 seconds we're back up and i'm gonna start playing all all your stuff one i'm gonna mix thank gonna you a lot of your records because i want people to not only hear you physically speak but i want them to hear the musica you know the important that's- musica how important that is
0: you know that's that's what it's all about. I mean, we wouldn't be having this conversation if it wasn't for music. We wouldn't be friends if it wasn't for music. Oh, that's right. Yeah.
1: That is right. We are music. really good friends because of this. I have so many friends around the world because yeah. of this damn thing called music.
0: And I and I still scratch my head, man. I'll be like, for example, I don't know, it was, I played EDC Las Vegas a couple weeks ago. And I'm like, if people only knew that I never would have envisioned any of this hundreds of thousands of people in some racetrack in the middle of the fucking desert. <laughs> I'm like, this is just, it, blo- it still blows my mind. And mind you, i you know, I've been, at, I've been most places, but it still blows my mind that me plucking away in the basement in the middle of, this, of New Jersey, just being me trying to sound like Kenny and, and Louie and Derek, like, And it's brought me to, to, to experience. It's just a fuck. It's just amazing. It's such a blessing, man. And I owe so much to dance music. I owe so much to house music. Um, and, you know, thank you for keeping, keeping that torch lit and, and allowing people and to, to tell their stories, giving them a platform. Because listen, at the end of the day, man, it, when, when we're, when the people are gone, the stories are gone if they're not told, man. So I,
1: I lost Patrick Adams' story. I'm really upset about it. And I also lost Angel Marie. I was supposed to have Angel on the week that he died. I'm so I was crying and I just I said, I can't believe I missed this. We were all yeah. set to tell his story, just like you're telling yours. And I kept yeah. saying, Thank God I've gotten so many wonderful and to be really clear, blessed by all of you. Because you've all entrusted in me to do something very important. And I never take that for granted.
0: All of you, And it is and it is important. And it is very important. And I hope you keep doing this for as long as, as you feel inspired to do so. Because like I said, it's there's nothing like hearing it from the horse's mouth. You know what I'm saying? But first so, of all,
1: I don't think we've ever heard you tell these type of things no. that
0: in deep. Well, not well, not not in one sit down. You know, there's always little patches here and there. Yeah, yeah. A, a sound blurb here, but, but you know, and I'm sure I missed a bunch of stuff, but I mean yeah, but you a lot. No, you don't want, want to bore, we don't want to bore these these poor people, man. Come on, man.
1: everybody please when I hang up this with him, stay with us and come right back on because we're gonna play Harry's music, okay? And Harry Chuchu Romero, gracias. Muchas gracia, gracias, bro. Continue success. Thank you so much and keep doing what you're doing and get Thank you as I will always rock your shit